Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Podcast Network. I am Chris Willis, and I'm again joined by my co-host Stephen Talbert. Hey, Stephen, how are you doing? What's up, Chris? Yeah, another another episode, episode three of our still unnamed podcast. Some some interesting topics to talk about today. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's been quite a week for the Atlanta Braves. They've won 20 games in June, and uh, somehow that's yep. not even the biggest story surrounding them right now. There's some off the field field news that uh, we probably need to discuss in, in in a little more detail. So we're going to start with that tonight. Obviously, pretty emotional return for Freddie Freeman last weekend. That uh, Los Angeles Dodgers first trip back to Atlanta. I happened to be there on Friday night and was in on that press conference. And I'll be honest with you, I was blown away. I expected Freddie to be a little emotional and you know and and it to be a tender moment kind of, but. I was not expecting what, what I saw. Uh, you know, this was a guy, I mean, uh, he looked devastated to me. You know, it was pretty, it was, it was, you know, it was kind of depressing. You kind of felt bad for the guy. I did. I mean, it, it's completely changed my, my perception of his uh, free agency and him leaving. You know, I know you weren't, you weren't there. You were kind of following along on Twitter and at home, but you know, what did it, how did it feel to you? I mean, what did it look like to you? Well, it was, it was wild because like, you know, like you said, you were there and you were kind of sending updates to us about what was happening and other people were tweeting out stuff. And it was very, very clearly a, you know, a unique situation at best. And for some people, they've never seen anything like that. I mean, there's some guys who've been covering sports for 20, 30 years. I've never seen anything like that. I mean, he was sobbing at his press conference, you know, about how much he loved the Braves while wearing a Dodger warm-up gear like it was just wild and I did not expect that at all I thought there would be some tears I thought he would choke up you know his first plate appearance when he got the big ovation I knew that was coming obviously I didn't think he would get booed some people thought he would get booed nonsense he was always going to get a massive ovation just like Jack Peterson did you know and then times 10 because it's Freddie Freeman but it took me by surprise just how emotional he was over pretty much everything. And obviously, you know, that was Friday. We, today is Wednesday. We've learned quite a bit since then to now to kind of explain maybe why he was so emotional, but I have never seen anything like it to be quite honest. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, it w- it really was, you know, you mentioned it, uh, the, uh, he got a tremendous ovation, for when he was presented his championship ring. They did it at midfield, which was significant because 
everybody else has been kind of down the first baseline. I thought the Braves did a great job rolling out the red carpet for him because it it was a big deal for him coming back. And then he got another tremendous ovation when uh, he came to the plate and uh, the first time. I mean, he deserved it. He deserved it. Can't I? I don't know how anybody really thought that he might get booed. But there is another little piece of this story, and uh, Mark Bowman, MLB.com, uh, released a uh, an ar- our article shortly before uh, the press conference, I think, or maybe even a day before. But it kind of went into detail about Freddie Freeman's uh, free agency. So, you know, it was interesting. It sounded like, you know, maybe all we heard leading up to it was how the sixth year was mandatory. You know, it was it seemed like that. Any any report. For, uh, from Freeman's, uh, from the free agent, you know, as he wanted that six-year deal and the Braves didn't want to do that. But according to Bowman's report, you know, yes, Freeman wanted the six-year deal, but he didn't, uh, you know, he, it wasn't a demand. It, it didn't sound like it was something that he wanted to keep uh, from uh, reaching a deal. Uh, it wasn't, you know, that big of a hurdle to get over. But apparently, I think it, his agents kind of went rogue a little bit, maybe. I don't know if that's the right term, the correct term to use. But there was some controversy there. They uh, reportedly uh, presented Atlanta with two options and gave them an hour deadline. Pretty much know what happened after that. The Braves, two days later, traded for Matt Olson, And Alice Anthopoulos was the one, you know, with a teary-eyed um, interview uh, that day kind of explaining – you know how how they uh, how that how it led to that. So you know it, it was it's a wild situation. Um, I think there was a lot of people that really felt like that Freddie probably wanted to go home to California, but didn't want to be the bad guy in Atlanta. You know, I kind of leaned it leaned into that a little bit. But after I saw this press conference, I mean, that was completely off the table for me. You know, I knew that wasn't the case; that I was dead wrong. So, you know, it, it, it was a wild situation and, um, uh, you know, just an unreal, unreal weekend for him. Uh, he got a, another huge ovation on Sunday. So, you know, it was, it was all weekend long. And I just have to wonder a little bit, you know, if, if you're a, Do- a Dodgers teammate, I know Clayton Kershaw had a couple of comments and there were some unverified reports out there that it rubbed a few of his teammates, uh, wrong, but, you know, in, in some way I can't. I can't really blame them. I mean, I think if I had been in that situation that, you know, I might've been thinking, you know, man, you know, I mean, we gave you this guy, we gave this guy the six year deal he's wanting. And, um, you know, he clearly would have preferred staying in Atlanta. I mean, did it, did it come off that way to you? Yeah. So let's, let's lay this out because we've learned a couple of, like I said, we've learned a couple of things since Friday. Um, and even we learned some stuff on Friday. It was abundantly clear watching that press conference, listening to him talk, even some of the comments that he said that Freddie Freeman wishes he was still in Atlanta. I don't really – he can say that, you know, he's moving on, he's getting closure, he's happy to be a Dodger. But he honestly has to say that because those Kershaw comments – not only the comments that were made about being second fiddle, but the fact that they came from Clayton Kershaw, who is Mr. Dodger. I mean, he is literally the, he is, you know, he is the most prominent member of that clubhouse. And he is not a, he's not a free talker. He, he very, he chooses his words very carefully. He doesn't speak about stuff a lot. And so when he comes out and makes that statement, it's very clear that some people in the Dodgers clubhouse were, 
a little taken taken a little aback by that entire weekend, just like I think we all were watching. I, I think I think a lot of people were in shock because it was very very clear that he thought the entire time that he would be back with the Braves and that he wanted to be back with the Braves. And somewhere between him and his agents, that message got diluted. Or, you know, if you believe some of the reports today, just got completely ignored altogether. Because if you, and I've said this from day one, I've tracked this stuff from day one because it, it uh, it's always fascinated me. But, it, you know, if you look at his contract with L.A., it's six years. But, you know, it's six years, 162 was the number. But almost sixty million of that is deferred. He's only making—I say only—it's still a lot of money, obviously. But in in the actual six years between now and you know when he's thirty-seven or whatever, he's only making like a hundred and four million of that one hundred and sixty-two million. You know, he's—it's—it's it's not exactly what it seems. And obviously, when you defer money that far in the future, like he's doing, I think the last payment on his deferment is like twenty forty. Like he has like fourteen years where he makes. 14 years after his six year deal is over where he's making like four or 5 million a year. But obviously when you defer that much money into the future, it, it reduces the present day value of the contract. And when you account for that, you account for the deferrals, you account for the taxes that he's going to pay in California that he wouldn't have to obviously had paid if he, if he played in Georgia, most people have kind of realized by now that he took a worse deal to play in LA than what at least reportedly was the Braves' best offer, which was five years, $140 million. When the union filed the contract with the league, they set a present-day value of his contract at about $145 million. Even though it's said it's one sixty-two, the deferred payments reduce that. And so then you have factoring the taxes. At the very least, he took a similar contract. And that has a lot of people scratching their heads. Chipper Jones came out immediately after and, and – had some very interesting comments, especially given what we know now about always remember your agent works for you. You don't work for the agent. Um, it was, it has become abundantly clear. And listen, we need to, we need to say, we need to point out that Doug Gottlieb did release a tweet today that basically said Freddie Freeman's agent just did not tell him about the Braves last offer. And they didn't tell him because they were afraid he was going to accept it and they thought they could get more money somewhere else. And that hasn't been confirmed by anybody yet. So we're not going to put a ton of weight on that just because of Doug Gottlieb, but you know, that doesn't, that doesn't stray too far from what we kind of already knew. And, you know, you can kind of piece it together that there was clearly a breakdown in communication between Freeman and his agent somewhere along the way. And Freeman very clearly wanted the best contract he could get from the Braves and his agents very clearly wanted just the best contract they could get from anybody. And, you know, when you, we watched that press conference on Friday, that was a man who was full of regret about how things turned out. He, he wants to be in Atlanta. And I mean, I do in that sense, I do feel bad for him because I do feel like he probably leaned on his agents too much and it just didn't go well. It's kind of unbelievable how this story won't end. Like every day we get another piece of news that just like keeps driving the story. I can't imagine what it's like being in the Dodgers clubhouse going through this every day. Yeah, that's a, that's a really that's a really good point too because it keeps get they keep uh, he keeps getting asked about it. Once I had time to really process 
the the press conference and that first Friday, you know, the thing that kept coming to me and thing I kept seeing on Twitter was why is he still with this agency? So, you know, that was the next piece of the puzzle, obviously. So, you know, I think it is important to point out that the same agency got him the eight year extension uh, with the Braves uh, way back, way back when, when he was a young player, uh, they locked him up. So he he did have a lot of trust with those people. And they had been with him, you know, for his entire professional career. Uh, but we got a report from uh, ESPN's Buster Olney that Freeman was parting ways with his agency, which was kind of where, you know, that was the unanswered question from the weekend for me. And then Freeman released a statement through Mark Bowman that said basically he walked it back a little bit. You know, he said that it was a fluid situation and he'll update if needed. But Bowman did uh, did say that he did, in fact, file the paperwork to terminate his relationship with XL Sports, which I thought was was very interesting coming out of the weekend. So I just wanted to make sure we talked about that, you know, before we really we really to me, that's the that's almost the closure to this. Um, you know, Freddie ended up with a deal that he didn't want in. He didn't want. He ended up somewhere that wasn't his first choice. And now he's parting ways with his apparently parting ways with uh, his representation. And, uh, you know, I think that was the for a lot of people, a lot of fans out there and myself included, that was kind of the missing piece, because if he was this on if he was this unhappy, then why are you sticking with these people that um, obviously didn't do didn't carry out your wishes? Yeah. And I, I do think and he said it and I thought these were very interesting comments. I can't remember who tweeted them. It might have been somebody asked Freeman, you know, essentially why did it take so long? Obviously, these negotiations happened three months ago. You know, he fired his agents essentially this week. Um, and his response was basically, when I was in Atlanta over the weekend, I learned more about what happened than I, than I knew before, which was already an indication that his agents were not keeping him fully abreast of the entire situation, that they were – kind of picking and choosing what they were telling him, trying to, it seems like at least trying to, you know, lead him to a, what they thought would be a bigger contract somewhere else than with Atlanta. And, you know, when he said, when he actually went on the record and said, I learned some stuff that I didn't know before this weekend, when I was talking to the other side, that was that, I mean, that was quite honestly shocking to me. I mean, how many times have you ever heard a player say, to the media, to the public, that there was a lot about my negotiation process that I didn't know about. I mean, we've never, I I can't ever remember hearing somebody say something like that, especially a a high-profile MVP, kind of iconic figure with the team, basically saying I was kept in the dark on a lot of stuff. The thing I don't really understand is there was a three-month lockout in the offseason where teams and players could not talk to each other, which meant, the only people that could talk to each other were their players and their agents. They, that, those were the only people that could talk to each other. And so how in the world you can go through a three-month lockout where the only people you're allowed to talk to are your own agents. And then right after the lockout's over, there'd be this level of miscommunication between you and your agency. I just, that's the part I can't, and this, that's the part where you have to blame Freeman. I mean, he, you know, Chipper's right. Freeman is the boss of that situation. And, Freeman at any point could have said, hey, I'm done with this. Whatever the best offer Atlanta's got on the table right now, just take it. Like, I'm done. I'm ready. 
spring training is about to start. I'm, I'm done. I want to play here. Just whatever the best offer you can get for them, we'll sign it. And obviously he didn't do that. And it's a mess. And it, honestly, if, if this Doug Gottlieb tweet is true, and we don't know it's true yet, it hasn't been confirmed by anybody that I would say is reliable yet. But if it is true and their agent, his agents really did hide or not disclose the Braves final offer to him, then this is just the start of this situation because I mean, that is just gross, gross malpractice in the agent world. You know, not not giving your player the information he needs to make a decision to try to force him in a different direction. I mean, there could be, you know, there could be some sort of mass exodus from this agency. It's XL, one of the biggest agencies in baseball, by the way. I mean, there could be lawsuits. I, I mean, this, this could be the tip, as funny as it sounds, because this story will never die. This could be the tip of the iceberg. We could just be starting this conversation if if what Gottlieb said is true. And so, and I do feel bad for Freeman. I agree with you. I didn't really feel bad for him before this weekend because, you know, he's a grown man. He makes his own decision. And, you know, if the worst thing that ever happens to you is you sign a $162 million contract to play in Southern California, then you're not doing that bad. But it's clear that his representation at the very least led him, if not just outright failed him. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's, man, it just, I don't want to. I think from a brave standpoint, it kind of comes to an end right here. Yeah. But man, you know, when you look back, I can remember thinking heading into the 2020 season, they're going to get a, they're going to get an extension done. You know, there's no way they're going to make Freddie wait. And then the pandemic happens, and they finally started uh, spring training in 2021. And I remember I had the draft ready. You know, I was already, we were already writing it, had it ready to go. Because I felt like any day now, they're going to announce this new extension for Freeman. You know, so I've got questions about that. You know, I mean, I know it's been laid out a little bit that the Braves made an offer. It was kind of a low ball offer, and it kind of increased over time. Uh, But, you know, there was also reports, I think it came from Freeman himself, that they hadn't offered him anything. You know, so now, you know, maybe we – maybe some of this – uh, lack of communication was all the way back then. I mean, you know, I'm speculating. I don't know, but yeah. I know that all, you know, the reporting that was out there contradicted each uh, itself. So, you know, it's, it, it was a wild situation. I can't remember a, anything similar to this. You know, I do think it's important. Like I said, I think the Braves, from the Braves standpoint now, uh, there's closure. You know, they won't see the Dodgers again unless it's in the postseason. Uh, I'm yeah. sure it'll get brought up anytime the two teams play each other. But, you know, I think they're at the point, hey, that we celebrated Freddie. Uh, you know, we hate that things didn't work out. Uh, we made the best pivot we possibly could make and, and acquiring Matt Olson and signed him to a long-term deal. Uh, this is our team going forward. Uh, you know, for Freeman and the Dodgers, it's probably going to linger a little bit longer, but if you've seen Freddie's comments last few days, he's trying his best to, uh, to move on from it. So I hope he got some closure out of it. You know, if, if what we've read is true, then I think, I think he did the the thing he needed to do. I think he needed new representation, you know, moves on. And I think if he ever signs another free agent contract, he'll be much more upfront and involved in it. And, uh, you know, perhaps that's, a uh, you know, I'm sure some players would just prefer to be hands off and stay out of that stuff. But you know, if you want to stay, if you, you know, I think it's eye opening in a lot of uh, in a lot of instances as well. Yeah, and I 
I think you made a really good point there, and I, I want to highlight that, is that there is definitely some blame for the organization, the Braves organization, and what happened after Freeman became a free agent. But if I'm placing blame on the organization for any of this, the number one place I'm going is letting Freeman get to free agency at all. You know, my we, we talked about this on the site. We talked about it on podcasts. I wrote about it. I'm sure other people wrote about it. None of us ever thought that Freddie Freeman would get to free agency. None. I mean, I, I remember at one point somebody asked me on Twitter, and I just tweeted, there's a 99.9% chance that he will sign an extension and the Braves won't let him touch free agency because that's just how it happens. I mean, these guys, guys like Freeman don't reach free agency. There's always an extension before free agency. And obviously COVID happened and that changed everything. Everybody's financials went into the toilet. And, and so there's uncertainty about what you can offer. I get all that. And that probably did play a big role. But, you know, if, if, I, if I was going to place the most blame in terms of the organization, where I would place the blame is long before he became a free agent. I'm talking the spring of 2020, the spring of 2021, Somewhere in there, and Freeman was saying, like, they're not even, they haven't even approached me about a contract. Like, he was telling Bowman, they haven't even, you know, we haven't even talked yet. This was like, like the all star break. And so, that, you know, that part, I definitely think the team, I definitely think the team takes, I would put most of the blame of him reaching free agency on the team because I, I don't know why they wouldn't have just been aggressive either in the spring of 2020 or the spring of 2021 before he ever got to the open market with just saying, hey, we're not going to let you become a free agent. Let's just nail this thing out right here, right now, so that you retire as a Brave, which is what everybody wanted, clearly. And so I think that is a good point. That I don't put a lot of blame on the team about the things that happened after he got to free agency, but they should have never let him get there in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it's a – it's an um, uh, still it's still an unbelievable uh, situation, and I mean, it took a, a completely another another turn, you know, over the over the weekend and and, and even into this week. Uh, and I, I will say that I'll, I'll say that the got the Gottlieb tweet will know if that's real or not because there will be players who also will be letting their rep if they're represented by XL, they will be letting them go. I mean, you can't you can't have something like that come out. And if it's proven to be true, you're going to lose a lot of the players that you represent. So I think we will know, even if no one, you know, on a bigger level confirms it, you know, if a bunch of guys start dropping Excel here in the next few weeks, then I think we, we have our answer. Yeah. And I mean, it is relevant for Atlanta. Um, obviously, Dansby Swanson is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. He's represented right. by Excel. Uh, he's a local, local kid, you know, been here, uh, play, you know, he's from Atlanta. Uh, he hasn't really been fielding a ton of free agency questions yet. You know, he did voice his support for XL, said that, uh, I believe the tweet, you know, Justin, he told Justin Toscano, you know, he has no, no intentions of changing agency. Um, you know, he, he's very confident in them, but you know, we're going to see, we're going to see this play out and, in, in a, you know, in a similar situation, I, I believe, um, come off season. Yeah. So, you know, that's I do want to, I do want to point out that Dansby comment never changing his agency did come before we learned or at least what we purportedly learned from Gottlieb's tweet about you know the kind of the malpractice of the agency so you know I, I'm I will be you're curious over the next couple of days if Dansby gets asked about it again given what we learned today if he has the same comments because you know one did happen before the other 
And so I'm very interested to hear if somebody, and I'm, I know somebody will, somebody will ask him a follow-up to that, given what we've learned and to hear what he has to say. I agree. Um, you know, like I said, I think from an Atlanta standpoint, uh, this is pretty much over, but we're probably going to still continue to hear some details uh, from now and then. Every time something new comes out about this, Freeman's getting asked about it daily. Uh, I'm sure he's ready to move on from it. I'm sure the Dodgers are ready to move on from it. But man, you know, we we were planning this podcast out day a couple of days ago. We didn't even have this story in the rundown, uh, and it nope. quickly it quickly became the headliner. And uh, we yep. needed to we needed to talk about it tonight. So. There, you have any other thoughts about Freeman? Uh, are you ready to move on to? Uh, no, yeah, and I agree with you. I think it's um, for the Braves. It's really the, the, at least the Freeman part of the saga is probably over. You know, there's really not much left to say relative to Freddie. The only thing that might be a you know an ancillary uh, part of it is obviously if, if if Dansby stays with XL, you know, throughout the season and into his free agency, it's going to come up again in the offseason. Obviously, it's the same agency. So, but yeah, I agree with you. I think for the Braves' perspective, this is pretty much over, at least until the postseason. You know, if Freddie, if the Braves play the Dodgers again and we have to see that press conference of him crying seven million times like we did, you know, over the weekend, then that'll get old. But for the regular season, yeah, this, for the Braves, this is, this, this is where this story ends. Shifting gears here, um, I know you had a, a an interesting tweet go out the other day. And if you're not following Stephen, you need to. It's B under underscore outliers. Uh, talking about Max Freed. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And the possibility of... Uh, a Cy Young being NL Cy Young Award winner this year, or the front runner. Obviously, it's it's worth pointing out that it's still just June. There's a lot of baseball to be played, but you know, Freed's right there. If you, especially if you look at if you look at the numbers, you look at F WAR. I thought it was interesting over the weekend. Dave Roberts called him the best left-handed starter in the National League, I believe. Brian Snicker was asked you know, where, where he thought Freed was and free Snickers reply was if, you know, he's, if he's not the best, he's certainly in the conversation. And that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I do think Freed flies under the radar from a national standpoint a little bit, but these numbers are fascinating when you look at them at the time that tweet went out of yours went out, he was leading the national league in F four for pitchers. Since then, Carlos Rodon's at 2.9 and Freed is tied with Aaron Nola, Sandy Alcantara, and then it's just slightly ahead of Zach Wheeler. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to let you – it was your tweet, so I'm going to set you up here. And I know you got a bunch of feedback, and uh, I got involved in it a little bit too. But, you know, for the most part, I think what we got back was, uh, you know, uh, Al- uh, centered on Alcantara, who – and I'm not – if I'm butchering his name, I apologize. But Yeah, you know, I was actually going to ask. I don't know if it's Alcantara. <laughs> 
<laughs> Alcantara or Alcantara? I've, I've heard it. I've heard it both ways, but I've heard it both. Um, yeah. But so I apologize but, if we're but, butchering it. But I mean, and to me, you know, I do. I I, I put a lot of uh, value in in Alcantara. Uh, his performance he i mean he's been lights out in two starts against the brace i mean we've seen him up close but uh you know like i said again i think max freed is right there and a lot of people are overlooking him yeah so i sent out that tweet one of my favorite things to do it was sunday morning it was like 9 a.m the game wasn't we were on sunday night baseball that night so we didn't have a game for a while one of my favorite things to do is send out a tweet like that and just watch my mentions just go to dumpster fire level within like 30, 30 minutes. And that's kind of what happened. Um, I basically sent out the tweet that said if the voting was today that I would vote Max Freed for Cy Young. Honestly, the funny thing is it was a lot of Mets fans who got very upset about that. Um, it wasn't actually a ton of Marlins fans. It was a lot of Mets fans, which I thought was strange. I have a ton of Mets fans to just track everything I tweet and they, they get, they're very sensitive about all the collapses and stuff that they had. And, uh, but I, I sent out that tweet. I, it wasn't just to troll people. I, just, I mean, I, I, I genuinely believe at the time when I sent it out that it, that's what I thought. And the argument comes down to, especially between Max and Sandy, I think it's Alicantra. I think that's how you say it. Okay. So that's how I'm going to say it. But I, I don't actually know. Um, but between, yeah, between Max and Alicantra, if you look at their numbers, the, the big divide between whether which one you think it is, is not actually their war numbers. Their war numbers are so close that I count them as essentially equal. You know, once you get into 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.3 war, I mean, you know, the, the, that that metric is not designed to be that accurate where you can split hairs that closely. Um, so I count their war as, as essentially equal. But if you're if you're an Alicantra, I would just say if you're an Alicantra guy, if you're an Alicantra believer and that he would be the, the Cy Young Award winner right now, then your argument is going to be based around ERA because he has a better ERA than Max does. But if you're a Max Free guy, and I am obviously, your argument's going to be based around FIP and XFIP. And that's really where this eight on Sunday went to was the difference in valuing ERA versus FIP and XFIP and, and where those two metrics should be in the hierarchy of how we judge and, and value pitchers. And listen, if you followed me for any amount of time over the last five years or whatever, you know that I am very, very much against using ERA as the bell cow catch-all pitcher metric that it's been used as for the last hundred years. I think it's a very noisy metric. I think it, you know, I've, I've tweeted this out a couple of times, especially early in the season when the Braves were butchering the baseball in the outfield, you know, ERA is a pitching and defense metric. It's both because essentially what the ERA does is it, everything that happens once the ball put in play goes on the pitcher's ledger. He gets all the blame. If a run scores while he's on the mound, unless it's an error, and we know errors are very inaccurate and actually telling us what's happening on the field. Unless it's an error, then he gets the blame for any run that scores while he's on the mound. And anybody that's watched the Braves, I mean, just the Braves alone this year should know how messy that is. I mean, there's all sorts of misplays in the outfield that never get counted as errors that directly lead to runs that, that in no way involve the pitcher. And, you know, between batted ball luck and randomness and shifting and how you position your players and just the overall talent of your defenders 
there's a lot that goes into what happens after the ball gets put in play that has nothing to do with the pitcher. And that's why I don't use ERA the way so many other people do uh, because it's just so noisy. And, you know, if you look at the difference between their ERAs, that's essentially, essentially that's all of Al, uh, Alicantra's argument at the moment is that he's just got a better ERA. And I, I think, I wish people would, it's like, it's almost like batting average in a lot of ways. I, it's a number that those people are more familiar with and more comfortable with. I, I wish we could move on from ERA the way that a lot of people have been able to move on from batting average. And I think FIP and XFIP are, are much better numbers. I'm not going to go into the whole, that could be a whole separate podcast on why I prefer those numbers, but I think they're more accurate. I think they, they do a better job of canceling out noise, isolating talent level. And so, yeah, it was, it was funny. Um, I do think some people don't understand how good Max Fried has been just in general. Because he, he, for some reason, he you know, even though he's a World Series hero and, and the Game Six guy that that closed out the World Series, he still he still kind of flies under the radar on the national level, and I don't really know why. I think he's been the best pitcher in the National League this year, and uh, I'll say it again, just like I tweeted out on Sunday. If I had to vote right now, I would vote for Max Fried as the as the National League Cy Young award. Yeah, one of the things I got back was uh. Sandy Alcantara's got uh, he's he's thrown a good bit at least ten more innings than any of the other guys in the top five, but you know I think we can only we only have to look back to last last year's NL Cy Young debate and you know Zach Wheeler uh, led the led the National League in innings I'm pretty sure if not he was pretty close but Corbin Burns won it and there was a pretty good spirited debate after those uh, that result was. Uh, um, announced and uh, there was a lot of people that thought that that award should have went to Wheeler you know I heard I got some tweets that like you know the voters are going to be looking at ERA because that's like you as you said that's the that's the metric that's most comfortable uh, that we've grown up with and that you saw on the back of baseball cards but I think you can look back to last year and see that you know those award voting is is starting uh, it's starting to shift a little bit you know, I, I agree with you. I think Max Freed's flew under the radar, but I do think you're starting to see Dave Roberts take notice. Uh, you're starting to see other people take notice. I think if he finishes strong and if this NL East race stays a race or the Braves pull ahead or, you know, as long as it goes down to the wire, he's going to be pitching in a lot of big games. I think he's got a good chance. I'm not going to say, you know, I don't think you can really say front runner in the middle of June. I mean, these guys, it's too close. It's too close right yeah. here. Carlos, Carlos Rodon, he's pitching in a, you know, he's pitching in a very uh, pitcher-friendly park historically. Uh, he's got a, a good FIP, ex-FIP, and we, the Braves saw just how good he was the other day. Uh, so, you know, I mean, he's another one. Phillies actually have two in the top five in F4. Uh, we The Braves beat Zach Wheeler. In Tuesday's opener, they'll face Aaron Nola Thursday. So, I mean, it, it is close. It is close. But, I mean, I think the important thing for me, and this is what I kept this is what I kept trying to uh, state, I don't think you can say front runner, but they're in the conversation. There's yeah. probably as many as, you know, I don't think Corbin Burns is that far. He's, he's behind a little bit in F4, but I don't think it's going to take 
a whole lot for him to get in the conversation as well. Um, you know, yeah. we've seen it. We've seen it too many times. Logan Webb's another guy that kind of was uh, off to start with, but is starting to pitch it a lot better. I think he can get in the conversation. But, you know, I think that's important. I think, just like I said, Max Freed's always been kind of regarded. The last, since 2020, he's been regarded as a good starter, but he never really was in that upper echelon. I think he's there. I think he's there now, and I think he's made that ascension to that top of the rotation guy. I think he could probably strike out a few more guys if he wanted to. You've seen at times where he reaches back and and strikes guys out, but I think he also has learned how to pitch and you know he'll he induces a lot of weak contact. And I think that's by design. And I think that's another reason that he's, you know, he he lasts longer in games and such. And I think I, I you know, from a, a little similar standpoint, Alcantara has got as probably as good a stuff as anybody in this league. Uh, I'm not real. Yeah. I, I really have never really understood how his strikeout percentage is as low as it is. Uh, yeah, it's another, very, uh, it's yeah, very weird. It's very weird how he, how he throws, like his stuff is just nasty, but it's never, it's never generated a ton of strikeouts. It's very strange unless he's playing the Braves, but uh, it's never really, it's, yeah, you're right. It's never turned into a bunch of strikeouts. And I do think he'll get dinged a little bit because there still are voters who care about how good your team is. You know, I'm not saying they should necessarily, but they, you know, there are, there's a very good chance that Alicantra doesn't pitch in another meaningful game the rest of the season. I mean, the, the Marlins are like 14 games back in the division and, and they might be selling pretty soon. And, you know, there are, definitely voters that will ding him for that um, not as much as there used to be but that's going to hurt him and guys like obviously max and even the philly guys and the milwaukee guys you know the obviously the san francisco guys they're all going to be playing meaningful games in, in august and september so um, i do think that will matter a little bit but you know sandy is so good that I, there's just his pure talent level he might keep him in the race all year but I think there are people who don't understand that Max Fried is a Cy Young level pitcher. Like there's still people that think he's, you know, just a kind of a good pitcher. And the main purpose of the tweet I sent on Sunday was we need to start thinking of Max Fried in the Cy Young conversation, very much like we need to start thinking of Michael Harris and Spencer Strider in the rookie of the year conversation. Like that's the level these guys are at right now. And yeah, it's only June, but like, we need to start having those conversations because they're, they're playing at those levels and, you know, they deserve the recognition for that. I agree. And, um, uh, you know, just to kind of wrap this up, um, Max Fried, uh, won his arbitration case for the Braves. We were just talking about contracts. I think, I think the Braves should try to lock him up as quick as they possibly can. Uh, they may have already been trying that. I don't know. Kind of curious, you know, what do you think, uh, what do you think a contract for, uh, Max Freed, a possible contract extension might look like? You know, that's a very, it's, especially with Max, it's a very interesting conversation. That might even be a whole separate podcast. Yeah. It is, it's a very, because, and one of the reasons it's interesting for Max is because he was kind of a late starter. Um, he, he was in the minors for a while. He had some arm troubles. He had blister problems. So he pitched in the minors for a long time. And so even though he's only got less than four years of service time, he's already 28. And so by the time he reaches free agency, which I think is in 2025, I think, I think he's got this year, next year, and the next year under team control. 
And then he reaches free agency in 2025. So by the time he reaches free agency, he'll be over 30. And obviously for pitchers, you know, that's, that's where it gets tricky. Uh, you see a lot of really bad contracts that get handed out to, to pitchers over 30. And so that's his contract is going to be very interesting because, you know, if the Braves try to lock him up now, you're basically locking him up at the height of his value. Well, maybe not the height. He could obviously go to another level, but, you know, he's, he is basically just every year got better and better and better and better. And so, you know, you're going to pay a lot of money to, to lock him up now, which he deserves. I mean, he's earned that money. Um, but if you're the Braves, if you're not going to lock up Max Freed, the whole point of having these homegrown pitchers is so that you have an ace. You know, they're, they're impossible to acquire. The only way to get one is to, is to trade for one when they're a prospect or draft one yourself in the draft. And the Braves have done that. Like they, they, they did that. They traded for Max when he was a prospect. They, they, you know, they had him come up through their system, and he's turned into a bona fide number one pitcher. And you know, if you're not going to lock him up, then what was the point of? You know, we're kind of here. We need to go ahead and finish this off by making sure he's around. But it's going to be fascinating because pitchers are just crazy volatile. I mean, Steven Strasburg looked like the greatest pitcher on the planet the year that the the Nationals won the World Series signed a massive deal right after that. And I don't know if he's thrown a, I don't know if he's completed a game since he signed that contract. Pitchers are just crazy volatile. And, and anytime you're talking about their contracts, it's always a, you know, a kind of a, it's kind of a wild card about what's going to happen, but he is the best pitcher on the team by far. He, you know, all the pitching prospects that they had through their entire rebuild, there was all this debate about who's going to be the best guy out of the group. That answer, you know, we have that answer. That that is that has been settled. It is Max. He is the number one pitcher, Cy Young level guy, and his next contract will be fascinating. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, the one you can look at the Braves rotation for the last three seasons, going back to 2020 and when Mike Soroka went down. Max Fried's been the one constant, and he's yep. just gotten better. He's gotten better every. Every season, watched him watched him develop uh, into it, and uh, to me, when and I, Brian Snicker says it every time he gets asked about it, you know, he feels like anytime Max is pitching, they got a chance to win, and uh, you yep. know, and that's that's the biggest vote of confidence I think that a manager can give a pitcher, and that confidence goes only goes up in the postseason. Like he's shown that he can handle. I mean, what he did in Game Six clinched the World Series. I mean, he threw a shutout. He got his ankle stepped on in the first inning and then threw a, a seven-inning shutout against the best lineup in baseball. I mean, he – on the road to win a World Series. I mean, it, it literally doesn't get more pressure-packed than that. And, you know, when Max gets pissed off, it's like he becomes – you know, it's like another level of elite that he reaches. And so you have a guy that you know you can not only depend on for the season, but you can – you can lean on him for a, a postseason run too, and that's just—I mean, you can, you can barely put a price on that, honestly. So, I obviously hope they lock him up. I, you know, it's going to be one of these things that is just fascinating to watch as they try to, because it's not going to be cheap, and it shouldn't be cheap, because Max has earned a lot of money. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, I think that's it for us this week. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, We're rapidly approaching the 2020 MLB draft and the trade deadlines. Make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Uh, We've got a lot of good podcasts. The main show, Brad Rowland, Scott Coleman, Road to Atlanta is going to be breaking down the draft every week. Uh, So, you know, we're already getting ready. So, uh, you know, be be sure you're subscribed so you don't miss anything. Steven, you got anything else you want to say? Nope. Nope. It was a good episode. Uh, a lot of fun stuff. Like you said, we got trade deadline coming up in about a month. Obviously we'll, we'll have a ton of content about the trade deadline. That's always a popular topic. Um, the draft, you know, we'll have all the all-star stuff. The Braves will be well represented. So and obviously the team's playing well. They just won the first two games in Philly. Mets got swept. Um, so if you're a Braves fan, it's a, it's a fun time and, and we've got a ton of content coming. So make sure you're subscribed. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.